the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you for joining me today. It's Tuesday, November the 19th, 2019, in the year of our Lord. Today on November 19, 1969, Apollo 12 astronauts Charles Conrad and Alan Bean, they made the second manned landing on the moon. Today in 1863, Abraham Lincoln, President Abraham Lincoln, he dedicated the National Cemetery at the site of the Civil War battlefield in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Four score and seven years ago, he gave the speech. Today in 1919, the Senate rejected the Treaty of Versailles by a vote of 55 to 39, short of the two-thirds majority needed for ratification. That, of course, had to do with world affairs, as you probably know. Today in 1942, during World War II, Soviet forces launched their winter offensive against the Germans along the Don Front. I mention that because a lot of people that I've known growing up in the Northwest, in the Yakima Valley, they were involved in that offensive today, 1942. No, I don't remember it, but I sure heard about it later on. Today in 1959, Ford Motor Company announced that it was halting production of its unpopular Edsel. It was unpopular. It was ugly. Now it's a collector's item. Today in 1977, Egyptian President Anwar Sadat became the first Arab leader to visit Israel. Today in 1985, President Ronald Reagan and Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev, they met for the first time as they began their summit in Geneva. Associated Press noted this this morning. Five years ago today, they say, defying, I'm quoting Associated Press, defying Congress, President Barack Obama ordered sweeping changes in U.S. immigration policy, affecting as many as 5 million living illegally in the country. Well, of course he did. He didn't want to have borders, really. He wanted an open border concept, and he worked at that all eight years he was in office. He defied anyone, not just Congress, because he just didn't believe in America as it is. He really didn't and doesn't. Interestingly enough, (laughs) there's a poll out this morning from Rasmussen that says (laughs) that American adults, 84% of American adults, are proud to be an American. They're proud of our history. Only 9% of the nation feels otherwise. However, among Democrats, 38% of Democrats, this poll was taken not this overnight, but it was taken on the 12th, which is what, seven days ago, last week. 38% of all Democrats, they, they believe in America 
but the other 62% or yeah, 62% don't and they're working to change America and to remove parts of our history because they are offensive. It is offensive. Imagine. That's why you see this manifestation in the news day after day after day. Trying to remake America. Barack Obama used that phrase again and again and again. America doesn't need to be remade. It's the greatest country in the history of the world. Imperfect? Absolutely. But it's the greatest country in the history of the world. It needs to be improved upon. We need a more perfect union, but a perfect union is not a bastion of progressivism. And that's what these people say, and that's where they take America every time they have an opportunity. But America doesn't agree. 84% of us. 84% of us. And that's just as of yesterday. Find that we're proud to be an American. 9%? Not so much. Why does 9% get 90% of the news coverage? While you think about that, I want to say happy birthday to one of my grandsons. He's a great kid. He's 21 today. He's involved in a great church. He feels called to ministry. I believe God has his hand on his life. He's involved in one of the great churches on the east side of King County. And um, he's getting his education. And I won't say his name. Not everyone who listens to this program uh, applause. But to my grandson, happy birthday. Have a great day. Papa loves you. I'm proud of you. Maureen Richardson is the head of the Concerned Women for America, Washington State. Got a note from her yesterday. They're putting this out across the nation. It's not just in Washington State, but it's in all states. She said, Dear Praying Citizen, before we get caught up in the upcoming season of busyness, let us cultivate a humble heart with fasting, repentance, and prayer on Thursday, November the 21st. Maureen does a great job. I've known her for many years. She said, we invite you to join us in a national day of fasting, repentance, and prayer in honor of the 156th anniversary of President Abraham Lincoln's Proclamation 97, appointing a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Together, let us observe and reaffirm our 16th president's heartfelt plea to the supreme authority and just governance of Almighty God. There's more there, and she quotes some of what Lincoln said, but she goes on to say, Fasting before we feast is a reminder that God provides everything that we need. It reminds us of who we are in God and who God is. It also reminds us that we hunger physically, we also hunger spiritually. And when we repent, we're promised forgiveness. Not any ordinary forgiveness, but a complete pardon from our sins. The payment they require. Now that draws us to our knees in thanksgiving. God is fully provided for us in Christ. This is why our hope is not in government or elected officials, or even in a grateful attitude. But instead, our hope is firmly in Christ alone. Thank you, Maureen. And remember that. That's the 21st, day after tomorrow. Calling the nation to fasting and prayer. And we need prayer. We need God's hand 
upon us. No question about that. The impeachment is continuing. It's rolling along. A lot of people refer to it as a show. It is a show. It's not for real. The Democrats, those other than the 38% who kind of think America is not so bad, the rest of them are trying to remake the greatest country in the world. They are. That's what this is all about. A progressive ideology leads us to the place where we believe that the end justifies the means. So the means, whether it's impeachment, whatever it is, and I'm not here in defense of Donald Trump today, although I do support him strongly. He was not my first my first choice for president in the 2016 election. A couple of guys were ahead of him. But as it turned out, I recognize that I think millions of us have across the country. I recognize that God was doing something that is higher than my ways because his way and his thinking is higher than mine and yours. God is in control and God has a plan. We know we have an overview of that plan. If we read from Genesis to Revelation, we know what God is doing and what God's plan is for the ages. We understand most of it. So, so many times I hear people say, well, I don't, I tried to read the Bible. I don't really understand it. Well, the, the, one of the reasons they don't understand it is because they haven't met the author of it personally. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We crucified him on a cross and the religious leaders of the time thought, well, before we put out that voice, wow, we finally got rid of this radical religious person. But they didn't. And just as we prepare to celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we also, in a few months, celebrate Easter. They did not silence his voice. He rose from the dead. (laughs) And they didn't know what to do with that, I can tell you. But until you've met him personally, you probably won't understand what God's Word is all about, really. I mean, there's some nice verses in there, and there's things that are encouragement, inspiring. I mean, there's everything in the Word of God. But until we know Him personally, we don't understand how the inspiration of God's Word, the infallibility of God's Word really works in a life. And that's what the conflict is really about in America today. It's not political. It isn't about Democrats and Republicans. I mean, that's the way it's played out. I mean, that's the best we can do in our human weakness. But it's really a spiritual warfare. It's a warfare for the soul, not only of this country, but for the soul of every individual living here. And you learn that from God's word. The impeachment thing is rolling along in D.C. this morning. Jennifer Williams, she's an aide to Vice President Mike Pence. She's testifying this morning. I was listening to it a little while ago. She's a little bit squirmy. A little, I, I mean, that's my opinion. Maybe she's not. I don't know. Maybe somebody listening to this program knows her. I don't know her. I know Mike Pence is a solid guy, for sure. But she seems a little bit trying to please everybody. That's the feeling I got. Anyway... The Democrats have been highlighting her testimony, and part of it was prior and today that President Trump told President, or Vice President Pence not to attend the inauguration in Ukraine, and he did. And they're trying to make something 
pretty big out of that. What they're not telling you is that Williams testified that she only had secondhand knowledge that the president told Pence not to go. She wasn't quite sure, and she said that again today. I heard her say it. But but the Democrats in the press are not, they're not putting that out there. They're not publishing that. She said, my understanding from my colleague, and again, I wasn't there for the conversation, was that president, the president asked the vice president not to attend the inauguration in Ukraine back some months ago. That's me speaking that part, not her. And I'm quoting her again. She said, I wasn't there for the conversation. That quote is actually in the Democrats' key excerpts document. Well, <laughs> they're trying to make much to do about nothing because everybody doesn't know everything and everybody didn't hear anything. And part of the part of the flaw that runs completely through this whole impeachment debacle is the fact that they take these little snippets. But again, that's progressivism in its finest, lowest moment. That's what they do. Tim Morrison, he's testifying as well this morning. He's testifying. <laughs> the Democrats took his testimony from the closed-door session. Now this is the open-door session. They took his, some of the key excerpts from his uh, testimony when he met with them secretly or privately down in that third floor below the surface of the building. You heard about that? All the Republicans, remember a few days ago, about a week ago, they went all down there and they just walked in and said, yeah, we're going to listen to this. We're elected by the people just like you guys are, and we want to hear what's going on. And they ordered 16 pizzas and they said, we're going to be here a while. That was amazing. I love that story. But anyway, the key excerpts that they're taking from Tim Morrison's um, testimony is the fact that the Sunland guy, who's from the Northwest here, he told him in September that he had told a Ukrainian official that, quote, what could help them move the aid was if Prosecutor General would go to the mic and announce that he was opening the Burisma, that's that corrupt gas company in Ukraine, investigation. What the Democrats are not telling you, and they, they're not going to tell you today, and the news media is not going to tell you this tonight at 5 o'clock when you tu- tune in. It doesn't matter what where you live. They're just not going to tell you this because they've decided not to. They're creating a narrative that fits their ideology, and they're trying to move their I- ideology forward because they're part of the 62% that really don't like America. And they want to change it. And it's not to return to the founding principles. It's to move away and forget the founding principles. What they're not telling you is that Morrison also confirmed that the Ukrainians did not even know that the military aid had been held up until Politico, that's a political publication, and it's widely read here in America and elsewhere around the world. They didn't even know that they didn't get the aid or that it had been held up until Politico reported it back this past summer in August, August 28th. He confirmed that the Javelin anti-missile system was not even part of the aid, that the Democrats are saying they were holding up their their Javelin, their missile system. It wasn't even part of the deal. But they don't care because truth is not really a value. Truth is relative. Truth is what you want it to be. They stand in their truth. Someone else stands in their truth. That is probably the, the most stark difference between a biblical worldview 
and a secular worldview. And that's what we're really talking about here in America today. So this isn't what the media is telling you, but it's what I'm telling you. I'm looking at the transcripts. And I, I mean, if I can figure this out, I'm pretty sure others wiser than I am can do it. But that's how the it's just nuance upon nuance upon nuance of how we in America are being misled. And sometimes you get up in the morning and you think, I mentioned this yesterday on the program. I said, sometimes you, you like, like Elijah, you say, am I the only one? Am I the only guy that believes this or the only woman that believes this anymore? No, you're not. Not only does God's word give us that illustration of how the prophet said, I'm the only one still standing for you, God. And God says, no, you're not. You know, here's all these thousands of people that are standing faithfully with me, too. And he revealed it to the prophet. And I think sometimes we just need to let God reveal it to us that, hey, man, you're not standing alone. I mean, you believe in my word. You're trying to, you know, live for me and make your life count for the kingdom of God. And you're not alone. You're not the only one. But the silence of the church sometimes makes us feel that even in the kingdom of God, even in the church, I'm the only one, but you're not. A lot of people. People love America. People love God. People love Christmas. I want to share a few of the statistics about what people are going to do this Christmas. It's pretty encouraging to me. I think it will be to you. I'm kind of an optimist, but I, I, I'm not letting my optimists overrun the facts here. But it's kind of encouraging to me. And what brought this about? Amazon, how <laughs> that Amazon, Amazon is promoting a children's book. It narrates the birth of Jesus Christ. And they're promoting it as it's, I'm quoting Amazon now, just three days ago. It's number one release in children's Christian holiday fiction. <laughs> That's what caught my attention. Fiction, I thought fiction must be about Santa Claus, right? No, it's not. It's about Jesus Christ being born in a manger, but it's categorized as fiction. Now, I'll be honest with you. I haven't spoken to Jeff Bezos lately, and I don't know what's in his head or the people. He didn't probably write that word down, but somebody did at Amazon. And they decided to make the Christmas story. It's the nativity. It's taken right from the Gospels to make it fiction. It's another point just in our culture. That's how we are so... The truth is under assault daily in America by a minority of people, not a majority. It's not fiction. So that caught my attention. I looked into it. I'd like to share a little bit a little bit of what I found with you. I, I, the book, I think, is great. Thomas Williams is the, is the author of it. I, I've never heard of him. There's a, it's a Catholic publishing company that has published the book. But uh, I read every word of it. I mean, it's for children. I, I could read through it pretty quickly. But uh, the book is The First Christmas. As I said, it's by Thomas Williams. It's an illustrated children's poem. It describes the nativity of Jesus. And it's done so in the same poetic meter or the cadence that Clement Clark Moore's classic uh, Christmas poem. It, it's, it's actually titled a visit from St. Nicholas, but most of us know it as the night before Christmas poem. But anyway, it's the same poem. And this one about Jesus taken from the Gospels is in the same poetic meter. I mean, when you, you read it, now I'll share a bit of it with you in a moment. But you get the feeling. 
you get the feeling. I mean, I suppose if you were ignorant spiritually, you could think that it was just more of the same, but it's not. Unlike a visit from St. Nicholas, which is fictional, I mean, you know, nothing was stirring, not even a mouse. The first Christmas is not fictional. It tells the story exactly as the Gospels tell the story. Amazon is promoting the book heavily as a holiday fiction and encouraging everybody to buy it. Every family, they say, should have it for the holidays. So you have to wonder, you know, what are they, I mean, are they, is there a message in this or are they just ignorant? A Visit from St. Nicholas, fiction. They're selling that book as well, right? Side by side. "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. You know that. I'm not going to read the rest of it, but that's, you know the poem. Everybody knows that poem or has heard it. But by comparison, William's book, which is actually nonfiction, but is designated fiction by Amazon, it begins like this. Long, long ago, in a land we call holy, was born a great king in a manger so lowly. The king's name was Jesus. His mother was Mary. To neighbors and friends, it seemed quite ordinary. But his birth was different. It had been foretold by sages and prophets and seers of old. A virgin would bring forth a child, said Isaiah. From Egypt, the boy would emerge, wrote Hosea. And it continues. It's about the same length as the night before Christmas or whatever. So (laughs) the last phrase of it says this. Yet nothing thenceforth has e'er been quite the same. Talking about after the birth of Jesus Christ. Yet nothing thenceforth has e'er been quite the same. No redemption, no heaven apart from his name. That's fiction in the mind of Amazon. I know Jeff Bezos started Amazon in his house in Bellevue and he had a discarded door for his desk and he's built a monument to retail. I mean, nobody's ever done what he's done. I, I get that. And I'm impressed. I mean, it's unbelievable. You can order a box of pencils and they're at your door in an hour. I mean, it's unbelievable what they're doing. But his company's out of touch with reality regarding basic spiritual matters. And maybe they don't even care, but they're not in touch. The story of the birth of Jesus Christ to a vast majority of his customers is not fiction. St. Nicholas, fiction. Jesus Christ, not fiction. Only between 3 and 11% in America are atheists. I mean, it varies because depending on who's taking the poll. So I looked at a number of, of polls or surveys, more recent ones. And, and the, the lowest number I found was 3%. The highest number I found was 11%. So in America, there's between 3 and 11% that are atheists. But their voices are amplified by a complicit press. Every Christmas, every Easter, we hear this stuff. As though, and sometimes you get that feeling that like the whole world is deciding that Jesus is fiction, that nativity is fiction, except me. And I'm the only one that's holding on. But you're not. It just appears that way, and it's done so purposefully. Every time a coach or an athlete prays or a city council says a prayer, part of Jesus' manger gets over the line onto 
government property or some kid brings a small fir tree into a government property called public education on or about the month of December. The angry atheist voices are heard and they're amplified through a complicit press. The complicit press is part of this small minority or this small number of people who want to remake America. And many of them are rebellious against Almighty God himself. Because of the support they get from the press, it appears that America is divided on matters having to do with Christmas and holiday and truth and fiction and all of that. We're not divided on that. 66% of U.S. adults believe that Jesus was miraculously born to the Virgin Mary on Christmas. I mean, that day is celebrated, not that date on the calendar, but they believe that Christmas is the celebration of an actual fact that took place. A Virgin Mary had a baby. 66% of Americans, 75% of Americans still believe that baby Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The people in Bethlehem believe that too. I've been there. And they don't even believe in Jesus as the Son of God, most of them. 68% believe that the three magi from the East brought Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 68%. 67% believe that the biblical account of the angel appearing to the shepherds is true. It actually happened. An angel appeared out on the hillsides out of Bethlehem and said, you know, joy to the world, the Lord has come. But that's older people, right, Gary? Not necessarily. I looked up some studies of millennials as well. 55% of kids, like my grandson I mentioned a few minutes ago, anybody under 40 is a kid, right? 55% believe in the virgin birth. 54% believe that an angel announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds. 57% believe the three magi came bearing gifts, and 65% believe that baby Jesus was actually wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. 65% of kids. Some other things I noticed, 90% of the U.S. population still celebrates Christmas as a holiday, and 51% say they're going to go to a religious service, a Christian religious service on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. 51% of America. Boy, that's not the picture you get when you read the news and turn on the talking heads or whatever at 5 o'clock. Benjamin Franklin was two of the most popular men in colonial America. George Washington was the other one. Washington was deeply religious. Franklin was not so much. But he once published this in Poor Richard's Almanac, Almanac, and I wanted to leave this with you. Ben Franklin, not very religious, he said this, How many observe Christ's birthday? How few his precepts? Oh, tis easier to keep holidays than commandments. That's a great sermon. I never thought I'd hear a sermon from Benjamin Franklin, but that's what he said. And it's so true. We live in a country where there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of things going on in our culture today, and that's why we do what we do on this program. We try to speak to the issues of the day. That's why we do this program live. And we do so through the Word of God. Thank you for standing with us in this effort. Thank you for supporting us. Our sole support comes from the the listening audience, and you are a part of that. So I want to thank you for your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. 
We need you. We'd like to hear from you. Thanks for being with me today. We'll continue on this epic journey of looking at things as they are through the Word of God tomorrow, every day, every weekday. I'll see you then.